J'ai sur mon lit à bouffer ça en buvant en mon whisky quant à moi peu dormi vide et bris mais j'ai dû dormir dans la boutière où j'ai eu un flash Farside going up and taking the lead is Shame still leads the way getting through Lesko Southern Fire Dollar Chaser Shame in front Southern Fire is bursting through on the fence Southern Fire Southern Fire gets home to win from Shame Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. Hey, thanks for checking out year-round carnival. Look, we take our work very seriously. We don't take ourselves too seriously. A bit of plastic for a tron to kick off. Thanks to Michaeli, Michelle. And if I pronounce that wrong, well, apologies. Uh, she won the French Rider. Her uh, Flemington debut was on Sunday and she won on the Southern Fire. And that brought me to this. Southern Fire wins at $51 with solid Wagga and Aubrey Fall at Fleming. And I thought, I think we've seen stronger Sundays. Fitz Accardi from Daily Sexuals. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Rolfie. <laughs> yeah. oh, there wasn't a lot of the clock, mate. I know you clock every horse, every day, everywhere. But uh, let, let's face it, Sunday, both at Fleming and Rose Hill, it wasn't an overly strong meeting. <laughs> Actually, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, what about Rose Hill would have been very similar, but... Yeah, well, it's just these, these track conditions as well, like what they put up and then what ends up happening. Like, how does Sydney get 150 mil of rain and then races on a genuine good track? Well, I suppose it's better than the other way, isn't it? So, yeah, no, <laughs> I, 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 I think it's fantastic. But on the flip coin, like you said, when we now look at the performances of horses and the classes and the grades, this whole Saturday strategy, well, particularly in the off-season, without a shadow of doubt, that that's all serious midweek meetings. Why is it like that? I, I, I don't understand. Is it because there's too much racing? I just don't get it anymore. Well, I dare say that's the case, since particularly like Sydney's uh, have got the the midways and the and the highways that are specific for a certain class. Melbourne's been introduced to these non-metro wins, ten races. Eventually, the the top end class has to give out. But the good news is, this week stakes racing returns uh, both in Melbourne and Sydney, and uh, obviously all your form will be via dailysectionals.com.au, mine via racechecklealthy.com.au, and we're looking forward to some fast horses. So what I did yesterday, Vince, uh, so if you if you want the horses to follow from the meeting, we'll write them up on our sizzlers, and you can get that via my website, but I thought, let's get excited about some of the good horses, Richard. Mm-hmm. They're sure. not far off, they're not far off, and I'll, I'll ask our fantastic members about them. So, uh, so this is our opportunity just to just to sort of uh, spitball, as you might say, about some of the good horses returning, and just uh, don't know what they'll come back with, and uh, and then we'll we'll put it to them and, and bring back there. One of them, of course, was Pride of Jenny Breton said. Great idea. Thanks for the offer. After Philip she gave us last spring, I'm interested in whether Vince thinks Pride of Jenny can improve from last campaign or if we just expect sideways a downgraded performance. Of course, the, 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 uh, the performances were at a very high level. Interested from you whether you actually think uh, where, where she'll go, given plenty of options. By the look of it, looks like the shortest in the Coolmore Classic. Now, the Coolmore Classic last year, she was beaten in a three-way finish, and that was the first time we saw her really emerge. And Vince, this is an amazing sort of runner. I think I think the word you used during the spring was 
this is a potential iron horse. And uh, did she ever deliver that? Oh, iron horse without a shadow of doubt. Now, first of all, to answer the question, I don't feel that the horse has to improve any more other than hold its form profile to be right up there because the reality is if you look at this history of this particular horse and say, okay, where are we at? We've got a rock-solid plus 5.1, which we can get from September. Uh, it was a 29th September Mooney Valley. Plus second to Amelia's Jewel. Yep, yep. Second to Amelia's Jewel as an example. Now, the reality is not only that, the performance on the 11th of the 11th, Ralphie, on the Matrix, that came up as a 5.4. That is more than enough to suggest to me that this horse, in terms of all the horses that raced pre-Christmas, particularly in that carnival period, let's say September, October, November, and maybe even a little bit of December, the reality is this runner was not more than about a length and a half off the very best performance anywhere if we're talking IBR data. That's pretty exciting. She's had a barrier trial at, uh, or jump out rather at uh, at Cranbourne on the on the eighth. So you, you'd imagine there won't be she won't be long before she resumes. Just, just put some more meat on the bones on that Champions Mile win on the eleventh because the week before was that astonishing one where we were all high fiving, getting the uh, getting the seventeen dollar odds. And Declan Bates' amazing ride, and uh, she led throughout. The, you mentioned the Mooney Valley run. What the, the the case we made for her was that she was flat in the Turak and she rebounded and rebounded hard with that, that amazing ride and, and win. But we really, really see a horse be able to back up off doing that. That's the iron horse part, isn't it? It is. And here's a, a lesson of learning for me as well on that. Because obviously the price was sensational when it won on the 4th, 11th. But is it possible when we talk about horses, when they have these gut-busting runs, that they need a much slower race at their subsequent start to be able to overcome flatness. Now, could it be the case that two starts back and when you look at the run on the 4th of the 11th, when it went plus 15.6 first section and saying absolutely flat and then went to the 11th, the 11th of Flemington and gone 8.9 above, is that seven lengths turnaround in speed going slower enough to overcome flatness for an iron horse? It could be. <laughs> I just sit back here and say, is that possible? It's a whole new curve of, of understanding or is this that one of a kind that comes around every, I don't know, I'm just going to say every thousand horses or good horses that is, that has this capacity of uh, just backing up continuously and putting in phenomenal speed and conquering the competition as it's turning out now. Well, if we want to say once a decade, I reckon that, that I've got the sample size because I've been with you for a bit over a decade and the clean is the only other one I've seen do this. <laughs> yep. And what we have, what we do know as well, Rolfie, and we picked this up years ago, which was a bit of an eye-opener for me about how mares continuously improve, even when they get older. Like, we've seen them, five yep. and six, and still improving. And we've got prior to Jenny, who I feel has just, taken that next step well i'm not saying greatness but definitely taking that next step of a length length and a half and now all of a sudden you can almost point it anywhere and this horse is going to run gigantic well, the inter- like th- those Caulfield early early uh, February uh, ore and the uh, Futurity fourteen hundred at Caulfield when she's fresh, oh, <laughs> yep. she might, might give them something to chase. We're looking forward to that. Okay, another horse here, James Cummings' horse, Tom Kitten. Now we put him in Sizzlers 
August uh, 26th and uh, when he won first up. It was a really big win at Rose Hill. It was super. It was uh, 1.4 lengths above benchmark. It was best of the day on the day. And we were, well, how good a preps this course in for? Unlucky, unlucky, unlucky. And then come the spring champion, he put it together. So Ben asked, I wonder how Tom Gitton will come back. So many options, the Guineas, the Derby, or even the Queen Elizabeth or Doncaster. Uh, Vince, he was a horse that really got you excited when he put it together in that spring champion. Oh, absolutely. For a few reasons, Ralphie. Firstly, that run on the 28th of the 10th, right, over 2,000 metres. Firstly, what a display of speed. 6.8 lengths faster than standard. That's not a slow pace for 2,000 metres and for a young horse rising. Then had to deal with a slowdown between the 8 and the 400 metres and then had the capacity to rebound and run above benchmark over the last 400 metres. And probably the, the final part for me that really got me excited is that this horse has materialised into a genuine plus three horse and still trending upwards with no ceiling. Because when I look at what happened on that run, there's nothing to say that this horse can't improve two or three lengths from that performance. And oh, if that is the case... We could have a really exciting machine here of a, of a horse. Like, oh, what about distance range? Where, where I mean, the longer the distance, the better the horse got. Well, this is the question, and Ben's put it, which which is a ripper because you know we do see three year olds with a Doncaster, but he's mentioned the Quiddle is with as the monster money. Is this the new animo for this stable? Well, Ralphie. <laughs> I'm not going to say that it can't find that three lengths, but that's what it's roughly got to find three yep. to four lengths to become animo. Yep. But it's trending in that direction because <laughs> I'm sitting back here saying, if you didn't have the same slowdown, would you have put down an overall figure greater than 3.1? And it was stress tested against the Matrix, which matched it. I'm sitting here saying, for sure, you know, even if I'm being totally silly, it's got to be at least one length. And if I want to, have a bit of a fantasy on it, then three lengths wouldn't be impossible. You mentioned the Matrix. So we've mentioned this on our preview podcast, but I don't think, I don't think we've spoken about this on the Monday podcast. So what what actually is the Matrix has got you so excited? Because it's a new tool that you've been using and it's it's really uh, open, open your eyes at, uh, even so far into your journey of doing form study. Uh, yeah, very exciting. Well, first, let me ask you this ad hoc question to you, Ralphie. Have you been using it? No, not enough. No, no. I'm just I'm, I'm using the building pro product, so that's my next step. <laughs> no, perhaps if you would like, I'm using know, Wipro, but I'm not using the, the the Matrix yet. Yeah, and I put this out to all the people that utilise the Racing Analytics Rapo platform that if they would like to have a session with me. It's a, it's a no-obligation session, so it's not going to cost you any money, Ralphie, and it's not going to cost any money for anybody that uses the platform, right, to set up a time with me and go over it. But here it is in a nutshell. A number of years ago, I asked David Vitali, who obviously manages, runs, and operates and owns the Racing Analytics platform, to develop a tool that could, A, do a whole sequence of simulation work on typically... They're moving last six runs on a continuous basis. of The horses they raced on that day, and they're measuring all the performances of those horses going back at least six runs where possible. In some cases, that's not. And then going forward three runs where possible. So the interesting part is on the going forward three runs, when you're looking at 
history, like a young horse, like a maiden or a two-year-old, and you look at, you know, let's say that horse comes back six months later and you're, and you're following its trend line performance, then you decide when the horse, say, say, turns three, you want to go back to original runs, you'll get some real insights on how true was the performance based on the IVR figures that we gave on that day. Because remember, when we do the IVR performances, it's on that day based on all the variables and the adjustments, track speed, race pace, lanes, the, the pattern in terms of how slow or how fast, and then the collective overall on the day, which then gives it a micro adjustment. So what this tool does, and it stayed dormant for a long time because I, I just never had the opportunity to drive it correctly because just the way it was placed, it was very uh, difficult in terms of the time it takes to actually make the assessment. But now that it's sort of come to the front of the screen and we can actually just press a button and up it comes will cross-analyze those six performances against all those horses that raced against in the day and give a true signal of what the real class strength of that race was leading into today. And what's even more exciting, David, it, it mentioned to me that we're going to have that tool in an upcoming race, which is going to be sensational, Ralphie, because at the moment you can only do it post-race. So, so, sorry to butt in, but the, the old um, uh, cliche was Frank the form, what you're yep. saying, and, and that was just because, you know, if a horse won a race and then the second horse won its next race, uh, well, it's Frank the form. But the horse might have won its next race in a real terrible maiden, for instance. Correct. Whereas what you're saying is this is this is uh, actually true Frank the form because this is saying exactly what the talents were leading in and what the talents were leading out. So it can take any any sort of aberration of a, of a slow day or a slow tempo out of the equation. So what it does, correct, Ralphie, so what it does is it crystallises the actual essence of class of the race Yep. and purely on sectional times. Yes. And I, Ralphie, the amount of effort that I've been putting in in the last five or six weeks, and it's a daily sort of on the grindstone, checking every race all over Australia and then looking at what the handicappers have been putting up class-wise and then saying, okay, what? how does that sit when I'm just purely looking at it from a sectional times point of view? Because it doesn't take any other th item into consideration. Uh, it, it has been mind-blowing, Ralph. And then how true it's been running. Now, maybe I haven't got enough body of work done to say absolutely – you know, this is a golden tool because you typically have to do about 10,000 races to be able to have that level of comfort. But the races that I've been picking out and working with, I've had absolute phenomenal success. Not only have I had phenomenal success, we've tested it through that whole time in Western Australia, Ralphie. And, and Magic Moons, though, as well. And, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just incredible, right? Yep. The, the feedback signal is it's running very, very true and giving a, a, a heightened elevation of what the true class of the horses. And now I sit back here, it's like Pride of Jenny. I would look at the figure and say, okay, could it really do the 5.1 again as an example, right? Yep. You stress test and say, okay, well, that's come up in the mid fours. And then that last run, if Frank's it says, no, this horse is now trending as a genuine plus five horse or greater. And I'm going, fantastic. And this is crystallizing all the data of the last six runs. Now, the challenge is, 
this is for people that are maybe just thinking a little bit further into the future. The time that it takes to crunch all the numbers and then do on-the-spot analytical work, there's a there's a fair bit of grunting time that's required, and it's it's many hours of processing before it actually can spit out a number. Now, with the evolution of quantum computers, which at the moment they're about a hundred grand, right, for one yep. computer, a research work that you do on data analytics that might take say a whole night overnight to run, we're going to be able to run it in two minutes, <laughs> and this is just phenomenal. And then, without getting too too much into because this, this should be a whole nother podcast, right? The, what we're going to do with the whole AI setup. Now, we've been doing AI tracking of, you know, very rudimental things that I do on a personal level in ter- terms of data work for about eight years with Dave Vitale. But what we've got planned and with this whole racing analytics platform moving forward into, let's say, by the time we get to the end of 2024, is going to be mind-blowing, Ralphie. I am not kidding you when I'm saying to you well beyond anything that you could have even conceived was possible. This is how exciting it is. And then coupling it with the quantum technology, which I would say maybe in some stage in 2025, 26 will become a realistic, affordable tool. Uh, I'll just sit back here and say, I've still got a lot of learning to do. <laughs> Magnificent. We'll give us some learning about a horse called Magic Time. Graham Begg's got it. It's, uh, it's had only had eight career starts. It's had five wins, a real evolving mare. Got a group one uh, at the Caulfield meeting on the 18th of November. Uh, fantastic Michael D. ride on the day when uh, when the track was really on pace f- throughout the day rather than just go back to last. He, he was prepared to sit midfield. He was prepared to win the race. And, and look ugly, and that's exactly what he and by 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 being three wide no cover rather than so called uh, riding riding and taking his medicine. It was a, it was like I said, it was a fantastic ride on the day, but it was a perf- fantastic performance as well. And this is a mare who looks to have upside. Brett's asked if you have time, maybe magic time and possibly straight charge for the blue diamond. Well, straight charge is a two year old, so we, we we keep that for our members. So we're going to do a members bonus with a couple of looks at two year olds, including one at the trial that made my head roll off. So that the group one members will get a bonus today but uh from brett uh, asked about magic time what's your thoughts there for graham begg's horse last seen on the 18th of november another really solid type of a racehorse ralphie in terms of like where is it at what's its capability firstly when we look at it from an ivr point of view it's had three performances that have been in that plus two range uh, plus 2.3 twice that was if a on the 18th 11th of caulfield when we look at that performance there, 1,400 metres. And there's also a 1,200-metre performance of Rose Hill with a plus 2.3. And then I run the matrix over it, and the matrix is sort of indicating that the performance profile is rock solid plus 3. So you get a sense of where that is. So if we're talking pure sprinting, the mare would probably have to rise realistically on and this is taking an assumption right now that some of these smart sprinting horses are going to be able to maintain what they showed us in the spring. Again, we'll be looking for that three lengths. Now, I'm not sure whether this mare is going to be able to make that leap of three lengths, but what I have been able to identify is it's going to get back down to what are they going to target in terms of their preference? Are they going to be looking for the same strategy, 1,200, 1,400? Where is the horse better suited so 
at 1,200 metres, what I noticed is the sustained speed of the horse is excellent. Absolutely excellent. Can show fast speed through the first section, hold its ground between the 8 and the 400, actually have a big kick. Example, look at the Rose Hill Run, Ralphie, 7th of October. 0.4 above benchmark first section. Increase the pace between the 8 and the 4 of 0.7 above. Now, the 0.4 isn't like something like crazy, but it's faster than standard. And then to finish off with a plus 6.5 last 400, that gives you real insight about the quality of the horse. Because most horses, when they run with that type of you know power over the last 400, which is very critical, particularly in a sprint race, they generally can't do it off a benchmark pace unless you're at elite level. So this horse is knocking on that door, but it is short of the very, very best uh, current sprinters we have. Now, in terms of the 1,400 metres, well, Ralphie, the horse definitely would have to also improve because it's it's a few lengths short there as well. Lightly raced, who knows, right? Yep. What could happen? And begs a super trainer. Uh, Tracy's asked, Zar Dozy, James Cummings, Oaks winner. Often we see Oaks and Derby winners uh, win over the distance, but their class actually means as older horses they become star milers. What's your thoughts with Zar Dozy? Uh, she was awesome when she won the Oaks. Well, I felt this was a horse that in every now and then, a, I guess like a, like a bit of a Tom Kitten to some extent, right? Or maybe this horse is, you know, I've got to put it, make it clear, it is behind a horse like Tom Kitten. But what I like is, generally speaking, as these horses trend up in distance, these young horses, their performances dwine in terms of that score they get from an IVR, how far above the benchmark. And the reality is most of them, they're just there purely on class and that's why they win. But this particular horse, <laughs> no, I can't say that about this horse. Have a look at the last two performances. 0.4 above at 2,500, 0.2 above at 2,000 metres. And that's way superior to what it had been doing over the shorter distances, giving a real clear signal this horse is absolutely going to be brilliant 2,000 and above. And then from a, a race matrix point of view, which I did put it on, what I loved was the the 2,000 metres was slightly behind, about a half length below benchmark, but the 2,500 metres was a half above. So what does that mean? Let's say a, a race like the Caulfield Cup, Ralphie. We've done plenty of those. We know that you need to have a score performance somewhere around plus four or greater to be competitive. Well, can this horse make that next step? Another exciting horse for the Cummings team. Oh, they, they, the Blue Jackets could be could be oh, right on point man. this carnival. Are they are they well set up between Tom Kitten and uh, and this horse Zardozzi? Uh, next one we'll have a look at is uh, is Fangirl. So uh, Fangirl, she's just a beauty with Chris Waller and probably Vince, uh, one of the uh, one of the yeah, your perfect example of a mare who just keeps improving as she got older. Her her big dominant performance was uh, was over Mister Brightside in that new King Charles race, the five million dollar race. Paul asked Fangirl at the All Star in March or the Doncaster October uh, April 6th or both I will say I'd be very careful of uh, looking at Fangirl for the All-Star Mile I, I think that's uh, some the Sydney trainers clearly there's uh, they're, they're not rushing to the All-Star Mile Let, let's put it so let, let's put it uh, politically 
uh, I think they're, they're more keen to stay in Sydney during the during the autumn. So I would be very careful looking at Fangirl at the All-Star Mile. But you would think that Doncaster will be absolutely her target. Well, what can you tell us about Fangirl? She's just a mere profile superbly. Yeah, okay. So, like, why? Like, there's no money in that race, Ralphie, the one you're talking about in Melbourne, not, not, not enough to excite them? Uh, well, it has been downgraded, I think, from $5 million to $2 million, but also, uh, oh, let's right. just say, I'm sure Mr. Volandis would prefer them to keep their good horses in Sydney, just the way I'm reading it, Fence. Okay, okay. <laughs> not, not there's ever any politics in racing, of course. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you know, Wallace, he's going to go where he, he's confident he can win. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> but more importantly, Fangirl, absolute beauty, for sure. We've got a horse here who's uh, rock-solid. Trend line anywhere on the low, three and a half above IVR benchmark to 5.6. That's where this all sits. And fairly and squarely, it's absolutely evident that this horse's best is around that 1400 to 1600 metre range. Although that run at Mooney Valley over 2040 wasn't too bad, Rolfie. When I sort of didn't sit have back, much luck in that Cogs plate, that's for sure. No, so I'm just sort of sitting back here saying, well, have a look at what happened that day. 5.6 lengths below benchmark first section. Yeah, like that's like on her number in terms of pace. She could have probably coped with a little bit faster pace, but just probably the way it was drawn, didn't have a choice. But then between the 8 and the 400, plus 3.7, that 9.2 length mid-race squeeze, which was just sensational, and then plus 6.8 last 400 metres. Now, what's really captivating here is this. When you peel back that run before, the horse over a mile was going two lengths faster over the first section than what it did at 2,000 metres, but a length slower between the eight and the four. In other words, three lengths slower mid-race move, and this is really uh, critical when you're trying to get separation over the last 400 metres, 9.3 was how fast the horse went above benchmark over the last 400 in that 1,600-metre race versus 16.8. But then when you bracket down and have a look at the variance in the mid-race squeeze, which was around three lengths, and the, the final outcome of the last 400 metres was less than three lengths, it sort of indicates to me that if the Waller team have any endeavours to have another crack at 2,000 metres, we should be getting excited because I feel this horse is possibly capable of holding the same form quality as it does at a mile. Well, that's interesting you say that because, you know, Paul's question was about the Doncaster. Now, that's a handicap. And whereas the Queen Elizabeth, 2,000 weight for age, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if Mr. Waller's got uh, concerns about having to carry a big weight compared to weight for age, you'll, you'll go the weight for age path. So if you're saying that the 2,000 could be her best, wow, that's an exciting horse. Well, just, just to cap it off for everybody, if you're not convinced about the last 400, you go down to the last 200 metres and just match, doing a matching of both those runs, the difference was only 0.4, Ralphie. 0.4, and, and it was 5.2 above benchmark last 200 versus 5.6. 1,600, 2,000. Generally speaking, if you can't get the 2,000 off, you're going to have a bigger deterioration than that. It's usually like three to five lengths deterioration, and then you know, forget about it, this horse ain't going to be up to what's required at 2,000 metres. But this one, look, it, it's got a... 
it's got a winx feel about it, but not the same grade, right? But a winx feel about it, like just what it can do. Of course. King's Gambit, Peter, Peter and Paul Snowden's horse. Really exciting three-year-old. He emerged, well, he exploded on, on debut, Caulfield Guineas Day 2022, one by five lengths. Uh, I think the Sydney tracks were really wet at the time, so they they did a rare thing of yep. bringing their best two-year-old down here, and he, he just didn't quite put it together. He ran a placing in the Golden Slipper uh, at, up the straight at Flemington in the mid, uh, mid-September. He was just okay. But then they got him to relax, and he exploded at Rose Hill. Now, he was given a spell. I think they tried to uh, run him in the Coolmore. I can't remember why he wasn't right, but he had a Barrachile leading into it. But that Rose Hill win was, showed his true ability as a, as a three-year-old. Now, Darren's asked, I love this, have so many, I wish I win versus Imperatrice, or is King Gambit in the conversation, or is he up for another straight track debate? So as far as Darren's uh, concerned, what we'll do, obviously, I wish I win versus Imperatrice, we'll be talking about them in, in two or three weeks when the lightning happens and other good races, but King's Gambit's a really interesting left field runner. What, what's your thoughts with King's Gambit on what he's done so far and what his potential upside is? Well, firstly, this is why I'm so in love with the Matrix. When I have a horse like this, I <laughs> always have a little bit of a trepidation about like where does it sit and you have to go into the micro splits to try and get some clarity about, okay, could there have been something more there? You know, you know what am I missing? Because this horse is like borderline benchmark slightly above, but this is it. And I'm going, you know, but the performance sort of indicate possibly better than that. And then... As I, you know, run deeper, you see two, the last two runs. Firstly, the run on the 7th of the 10th, Ralphie, 3.5 lengths above benchmark. Off a slow pace, 7.1 lengths below benchmark first section, 8 to the 400 plus 3.5. Then this booming last 400 plus 9.5. And you ask yourself the question, okay, can I frank that number? Is there is there any possibility that I could really, really frank that performance? Well, the reality is this, when I look at this particular horse, what we can say is when I went there and had a look at that run, it comes up and it turns out to be a 3.6, absolutely matching that this horse should be taken seriously. But of course, like all things, it does have to make that next step of evolution of another few lengths. Now, we've talked about this in the past, Ralphie, I've done a good, good level of work in terms of understanding horses and how much they can generally improve from one year age to the next and sadly most horses don't improve about you know past their first campaign they're they're just chasing that all their life so what i can say so far this horse does fit in the 20 percent bracket where it has shown distinct improvement from one prep to another and therefore made the three-length improve from one preparation to another, why can't it do it again? And if it does, then they've got a they've got a serious horse that's going to be just as good as a king of kick, just as good as a I wish I win and anybody else, if it can find that three. I'm sure they'll be targeting one group one for this horse because he's a, he's a cult, so he'll be worth a lot of money. Actually, well, I've got to, I'll, I'll skip one that we're going to do and go to Osmosis because in that race that uh, it was so impressive, King's Gambit, Osmosis started favourite. It was $2.50 favourite in the day. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a bit sort of plain, uh, but after an early crowding, then Bjorn Baker took it to Melbourne. Like I said, King's Gambit had a trial, didn't run in the Coolmore. Osmosis did run in the Coolmore. Run and won 
Beautiful front-running ride from Rachel King. Just really controlled the speed off a softish tempo. 2.3 lengths above benchmark when he when he won that Coolmore. What type of upsides he got? Okay, well then looking at this horse, let's say firstly on where they're both at right now, the gap between them is about a half a length. Half a length in King's gambit's favour. So there's not much between them in terms of that perspective. The other factor is this though. Now maybe because this particular run, this is osmosis, most of its running is done generally with a lot more speed through that first section and doesn't hasn't been sort of what I what I call say breathing. In in other words, like a king's gambit. What would happen to this horse if it's going five lengths slower through a first section than what it's been currently doing where typically all its runs are around that one to two lengths below benchmark first section. In fact, even if we go all the way to the Gosford run, that was like well above benchmark through the first section. What happens if this horse relaxes more? Could it become far more explosive? Because that's probably what it needs to do to be able to take that next big quantum leap and be competitive against other. Because if it's, if it's going to do what it's doing now, it does have great acceleration. It's three or four lengths behind the absolute elite horses when it comes to the booming last 400 metres. But that could change if this horse relaxes a little bit more and maybe if it's just travelling that two, three lengths slower through the first section, all of a sudden we see a transfer of energy to the last 400 and then that would be able to allow this horse to potentially take that next step. But just slightly behind, not much between them. It'll be very interesting to see when I'm looking at trend patterns, this horse didn't take as big a step as King's Gamper for one campaign to the other. And we'll finish with Imperatrice. Uh, Troy's Troy asked us about Imperatrice uh, because she's such a star. I heard uh, uh, Ben from the uh, from the stable talk about how, how well she's been working. Uh, she may just have another barrier trial or she may just have, have a sharp gallop before that lightning stakes. She was so exciting in the spring, Vince. What what uh, what did you learn from her? Because really, when she started the spring, it was oh, she's a really good twelve hundred horse. But then she came to Moody Valley and just went bang over a thousand meters. So you know, is is this? Where, 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 let me ask you this: Is at this stage, do you think she's best at a thousand or twelve hundred? Well, okay, twenty eighth to tenth Moody Valley, five point seven IVR figure, matrix six point seven. <laughs> it's Cox Plate Day. It's, it's the best sprinter in the country. <laughs> nice and simple. Not by a lot. Yep. So as we know in racing, half length, you can lose that in a race. Bit of a block check, can't get out, wrong running lane. You're in you're in you're in trouble, right? Now this horse <laughs> has the capacity to make its own luck, right? Yep. So dynamic, right? Now here we are. I've got to bring this forward, right? We were just talking about osmosis and trying to get that understanding about the gap, you know, how you find that three lengths. Even King's Gambit. King's Gambit came off a very slow pace and then did this booming last 400 metres, like a plus 9.3. Osmosis off a much faster pace at around 5.3. But here's a horse that firstly like ran the first section five lengths faster than King's Gambit about a half length faster than osmosis. And this is just giving you some perspective and zeroing in on the lens. And then I look at the last 400 metres, 
Imperatrice can roll out a plus 9.3 and franked it as well. So just shows you what a star this horse is. And if they can just maintain what they have from what we've seen in the spring, they're just going to win everything. Can't wait for it. All right, now, all your work, of course, via dailysectionals.com.au, mine via racetrackralphie.com.au. We'll be starting the preview podcast in February when the uh, when the good horse will return. We had a little taster at the Magic Millions Day. You can listen back to our Magic Millions preview podcast uh, via the platform you're listening to now. Williams asked us a question that's about a futures that, honestly, my head rolled off when I looked at the market after he pointed it out. So we will do that for our Group 1 bonus. So uh, if you're a Group 1 member, we'll be covering that as well as a couple of two-year-olds that I want to ask Vince about there. But in the meantime, Thanks so much for listening to Year Round Carnival.